When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. A long shutdown ends for the National Lacrosse League. We engaged our coaches and our players while they were, you know, locked up at home and couldn't do anything to to engage on those social media platforms and create content that was fun. That's Nick Sakovich, commissioner of the NLL. What happened in the interim was growth. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. What Nick and his colleagues did during the shutdown was akin to the old phrase of making lemonade out of lemons. The league was one of the few that didn't restart during 2021, thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. But that's about to change, along with new TV deals, new franchises, and a new outlook on how to deal with a crisis. Our guest this week is Nick Sakavich, who is the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. They've just made a landmark deal for rights with ESPN, and we wanted to catch up with Nick and the NLL after a long year of advancement in their sport. Hey, Nick, how are you? Thanks for taking the time. Uh, Good, Bram. Thanks for having me on. Um, Let me just start with COVID with you and how your league has navigated the last year and a half. Yeah. uh, You got three hours? (laughs) Um, uh, It's been quite a 20 months coming up here. Uh, When we relaunch our league on December 3rd, it'll have been 20 months since the league played a game. And it's been... Mm. It's been um, a lot of highs and lows, uh, but overall, uh, very proud to say that we've come out of it um, stronger and better than ever. Uh, we added two teams during the pandemic, two new teams in Fort Worth um, and Las Vegas with a couple of great owners um, in Las Vegas with Wayne Gretzky and Dustin Johnson and Steve Nash partnering with Joe Ty. And then in Fort Worth, we have Bill Cameron and Greg Bibb, who uh, own the Dallas Wings WNBA team, will be launching this season um, in just under 30 days here. And then Las Vegas will come in next year. So that's been great. Sold a couple franchises during the pandemic. Um, one of them at a record number in Canada, the Saskatchewan Rush. Huh. Um closed a couple of big TV deals. We were at the end of our deal with Turner Sports and BR Live, which uh, we were in our final year. And uh, when that deal came to a close, we were fortunate enough to to build on relationships we had with those two uh, networks, uh, TSN being the premier sports network in Canada. And of course, the most recent announcement we made with with TSN, uh, ESPN rather, for um, both linear and digital distribution of all the NLL teams. So, you know, we, we just focused on finding a way 
to get through it. You just you just got to find a way. When life deals you um, a, a tough set of cards, you got to find a way to win. And and I'm so proud of the organization. And we buckled down and we stayed relevant with our fans and created multiple um, communications channels. And we uh, we also brought on a new e-commerce revenue stream and partnered with Fanatics to deliver on that. That'll be exciting to finally launch as we resume play on December 3rd. So all, all in all, what, what, I guess, you know, all, all plans ended, ended well. It wasn't easy yeah. along the way. I'll tell you that probably the most difficult year in sports any of us have ever had in our careers, but luckily we found a way and we're much, much better and stronger for it. Was the expansion of the league in the works before the pandemic hit? Because the timing of that seems so odd that you aren't playing any games and suddenly you're expanding anyway. Oh, yeah. The, you know, we had executed on a expansion plan back in 20, 2017. Um, when I first became commissioner, we, we put a strategic plan together, which included an expansion strategy, and expansion was in the works. You know, we brought on San Diego, Philadelphia, um, our 13th team in New York, uh, a new team in Halifax, Canada. Um, and so, expand, yes, so expansion was in the works, was in the discussions. Um, the pandemic hitting kind of put a pivot to those discussions or a hold in, in some cases, but we had a lot of interest in Las Vegas. We had multiple interested parties in that deal. Um, and then, of course, we were in advanced talks when the pandemic hit with Fort Worth and Greg and, and Bill. Ultimately, you know, the league stands for itself. It's a strong league with great owners, and it's a growing league, a growing sport. And uh, we were fortunate enough to, you know, have great discussions with both of these clubs and bring them to a close. It just happened to be during a global pandemic. So let me go back to one other thing that you mentioned, um, which was you kept communication lines open with your fans. Um, can, can you be specific about that when you're not playing? Um, what did you guys put in action to keep the fans engaged with your brand? Yeah, well, you know, I get, learnings, learnings from uh, 9-11, which was a much kind of shorter global crisis, um, although you know, we returned to play much quicker when 9-11 happened in 2001. And then we also had a massive housing meltdown and, and financial recession back in 2008, 2009. We learned lessons from those experiences that um, you don't just throw the cover over your head and say, you know, wake me up, I'll come out when it's all over. Um, what we learned in those experiences that we applied in this one during the pandemic is doubling down on communication. So specifically, Bram, what we did was we created four new communications channels on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, that were specifically designed to um, do different types of communications to our fans. Like, for example, we engaged our coaches and our players while they were you know, locked up at home and couldn't do anything to to engage on those social media platforms and create content that was fun, um, that was light, that was um, positive, that our fans fans enjoyed watching. Um, I'll never forget Mike Kersey and his daughters did like a dance piece of content video that just caught fire, and we got so much interest off of that. But they basically threw these 
pieces on it was great. If you know Mike, he's hugely successful coach in our league, and and uh, it was great to see him do this stuff at home. And it was just insightful stuff that just kept the league relevant during a period where we weren't playing games, and and we needed to stay relevant. So doubling down on communication, I think. I think we had internal board meetings and committee meetings multiple times every week, um, just keeping everybody communicated, you know, research, understanding what the pandemic meant, trying to return to play. We tried to get the playoffs going and couldn't do that. And then we looked at resuming a normal season in December of 2020 and in a normal cadence of our season, we couldn't do that. And we looked at a bubble in um, Canada and then we couldn't do that, but we just, you know, we kept at it. And, and I think all of that work and all of that effort by everybody informed us better, kept us in front of our fans during this period of non-playing and put us in a position now where we're, we're going to launch December 3rd and we're going to, we're going to be in better shape than we would have been had we just, kind of crawled up in a hole and waited for this whole thing to end. Um, l- let's talk about the future and growth a little bit. You had mentioned that there was an expansion to Las Vegas. Um, I, I know Mark Fine, who was brought over from the Nets and previously the New York Mets, and he is is the uh, he's, he's going to be running the new franchise out there. And I spoke to him not that long ago, and I asked him about lacrosse in that area, and he basically said that this is going to be a very, very, very new thing. And it, it's odd when I hear that because I grew up in Maryland and Maryland and Johns Hopkins and Virginia and all of these other areas here in these collegiate programs have had longstanding, very vibrant lacrosse programs. It's been a major youth sport in the region of the country I grew up in, but that's not everywhere. So can you talk about growth a little bit? And as you view that through the lens of running your league and building new markets and new fans. Well, a number of our teams, um, have operated really well and have taken advantage of the reality of what the National Lacrosse League fan looks like. And there's a there's a stat in our league that I think it's the opportunity, and that is that 70% of our fans never played lacrosse. <laughs> Heading into the playoffs when the pandemic hit, we had just come off of a, a study of our, of our fan base. We were headed towards a million fans that year and in the, at the close of the 2020 season. And um, 70% of those fans reported as not, not having played the game. Um, and so they're, they're coming for the great sporting event that it is, the quality of the athletes and the quality of the show and the production in the arena. They're coming for the music and the party atmosphere and the high energy that Fox mm-hmm. Lacrosse is. 20 to 30 goals a game, 80 to 100 shots on a goal, change of offense on defense on every possession of the ball, and these amazing athletes doing what they do. And, and when teams grab onto that and and sell that, you can sell a lot of tickets to those types of events. And our team in Calgary is probably one of the best examples. They, they market, come to the party, stay for the game. And huh. that year, I think they were averaging, averaging close to 14,000 a game. Huh in paid attendance because they focus on not, not only the lacrosse fan, which is growing or, or, and you know, Calgary is a market where it really didn't have too many lacrosse fans when the roughnecks came into town, but now it's, now it's a big lacrosse city, Denver, same thing. 
Denver was in a lacrosse market when the men came to town, and now it's Lacrosse USA in Denver, and that team just draws similar type of numbers. Um, our team in Saskatchewan, the one that we sold to a new ownership group over the over the uh, back in February during the pandemic, they they do the same. They they market to both the lacrosse community and the event going um, sports going general community and they do extremely well and it's about it's really about building relationships with the community exposing the product to the community and then and then getting uh, getting them to come to the arena and then the product speaks for itself because the product's really good let's talk about espn here for a minute uh, you had mentioned the tv contracts came up espn came to the table what was it about this relationship that you think will help the growth of the National Lacrosse League? Well, the worldwide leader in sports doesn't hurt. The, the distribution capabilities of ESPN and ESPN Plus are, you know, world class. And and we had lots of conversations going, but I think in the end, the combination of the brand that ESPN is the long-standing relationships with people like Dan Margulies and Kirk Magnus um, and John Lasker and um, Russell over at ESPN Plus were were well established and and really good. And you know, when you trust each other to deliver, you generally form great partnerships. And we're really excited about this one because not only was it a a next level deal for the National Lacrosse League, but it's something that's going to provide the league a great platform to expand distribution. We'll have multiple more opportunities to distribute the NLL product on both ESPN Linear and uh, ESPN Plus. They're the leader in the streaming space. I think there are over 15 million subscribers now uh, at ESPN Plus uh, on their digital platform. And of course, they're ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPNU and ESPN News, all those linear platforms are going to be really terrific for the league to sample the product and get it out there and have people see how, how good it, how good it is. So it, it was a number of things, but in the end, I think, you know, who they are and the leader that they are in the sports industry, as well as the longstanding relationships that myself and uh, David Sternberg, a media consultant, and Jessica Berman had with all of that collective group was um, was in the end really good. Um, some of some of the members of our board participated in that. Joe Ty uh, was very helpful in in helping us get over the hump on a couple of you know sticking points that we were involved with. And Rich Tao, his um, Rich Las Vegas team on our board was uh, really terrific in uh, contributing to the team effort that ended up in a, in a really an excellent deal for the NLL. Can you get the, can you get the Mannings to do a Manning cast for the uh, National Lacrosse League? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're working on that with uh, uh, Wayne and, and Dustin uh, and Steve Nash. And friends. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you go. Um, all right, you mentioned Fanatics as well. They have really made a lot of headway in a lot of different areas in sports. Um, they are essentially cornering the market with 
trading cards now. Obviously, they're going to be heavily involved with NFTs. They already are widely, obviously, established in the merchandise space. Um, what is the relationship with the NLL and Fanatics? Well, with Michael Rubin, it goes back a long way. Um, back to my soccer days, even before the MLS did their Fanatics deal. And Michael, way back when, told me what he was going to do, and he did it. And he continues to do it with that company, which has just become, you know, the, the gold standard in the space of licensed merchandise products and distribution and manufacturers and all that. So kudos. We couldn't be better aligned with uh, if we wanted to build an e-commerce business, we couldn't pick a better partner to do that with. And, you know, we did that deal about a year ago, you know, and it, it, ahead of the pandemic. So. It's been a little frustrating because we haven't had opportunities to really scale up the platform and sell a lot of product because we haven't played games. But that all changes on December 3rd when we relaunch the league. Um, all right. One quick thing about your background. I'm, I'm curious what your experience was like. Um, you were a founding executive with the MLS. Um, you helped bring the union to Philadelphia, which is you know, 15, 20 years later after the league had been founded. Um, you worked with a number of teams there. You've seen the growth of that league. The National Lacrosse League actually predates the MLS. Um, so what did you learn in your experience in working with the MLS and its growth that you're trying to bring to the National Lacrosse League as it continues to grow? Very simple. Key important investments over a sustained period of time equals a big, valuable league enterprise. Major League Soccer with 10 teams when we launched it, you could have bought a team for $5 million in <laughs> 1995. <laughs> and today you can't, you can't touch one for under 500. I think it is. Uh -huh. so, and that's only, that's only 26, 27 years. Wow. Ago. Um, I see a lot of similar trajectories for NLL. And the lesson learned is if you're, Owners are committed and they invest wisely into strategic plans that your lead can lead. You too can become a big and valuable enterprise. And, and we're starting to see it happen. I mean, franchise values in the NOL over the last six years have grown by 11 and a half times. Um, and, you know, listen, at the end of the day, it's uh, a growing sport at the grassroots level. That's the wind in our sail. There's talk of the sport becoming an Olympic sport for the 2028 games. And, you know, that would be a super shot in the arm for the sport. And we've got to ride the tailwinds. But the way you ride the tailwinds is you've got to invest and have the infrastructure to be able to capture the commercial opportunities that will present themselves if you invest smartly. And that's what that's the front row seat I had in MLS for 21 years. And, and you could see it. It was a lot of hard work but a lot of smart people and a lot of very committed owners that continued sustainable investing in smart strategic initiatives that grew the league into what it is today. And there's no reason at all that the NLL shouldn't be able to do that. Nick Sakevich is the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet, Bram. Thanks for having me on. Great, great conversation. On the next Future Sport Podcast, during the shutdown, eSports thrived. I still believe the majority of people who are deeply engaged with watching eSports are also players of the game. Yes, they I agree. They may not be currently playing, but they're formerly players of the game. 
And I think that proportion is radically different in esports than it is in sports. Like I will watch football. I've never played. Okay, I played flag football in eighth grade, but I've never actually actively played football. That's Matt McCloskey, vice president and GM of the markets for the United States for the Mobile Premier League. Their goal is Western growth after an explosion of users in Asia. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Futures Board Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.